Now, I'm going to just let you know that last week we talked about understanding God's love. And this week, the message is going to be celebrating God's love. Now, we found last week that Jesus refers to walking in the light is the whole idea of a new commandment, that we are to love one another. And he said it in a radically different way. He gave us the idea that religion is, uh, is not a law. Religion isn't law. But it's a spirit. It's not a creed. It's all about a life. The life of Jesus Christ living within the believer. That's what religion is all about. And I use the text and I'll use it again. Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, true love is something that has been given to you. It's not something you practice. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you received a new heart according to the Bible, and you received a new human spirit. Within that new human spirit, the Bible says here in Romans, that God has poured out his love in your new heart that he gave you. So, you are born again. You are a new creation. You have a new nature. And it is your nature to love. That is your nature. You may not feel it or sense it, but it's the truth. Your new nature is a loving nature. And, it, and God's love has been poured out into that new heart that he gave you. This morning, we are celebrating God's love through the Lord's Supper. But before we partake, I want to clarify some misunderstandings that there is to the Lord's Supper. Now, many churches, we have communion the first Sunday of the month. Many churches have it every week. Most have it at probably once or twice a year, or maybe even each quarter they'll have the service. Most of the churches will read 1 Corinthians 11, 27, and 29 and interpret it to mean something it was never intended to mean. Now, starting today and through the rest of this year, I'm going to be covering scripture that has been used to form a doctrine that it was never meant to form. So there's a lot of misunderstandings of the Bible. And you've heard me say time and time again, when you read the Bible, when you study the Bible, it is context, context, context. Just like in real estate, it's location, location, location. So when we study the scripture, we're going to find out that there's some scripture that has been used, that have been taken out of context to, uh, 
to get people to feel guilty, to get them to feel that they're not worthy. And there's a lot of hesitance throughout the Christian community that you have to get ready spiritually to take communion. And that is not the truth. It is not the truth as we will see. So let's go through some of the scriptures that have been used in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 29. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now that's pretty serious, wouldn't you think? Anybody who takes the cup, takes the bread or the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty. Now, then in verse 28, it says, but a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So now, according to this, this scripture, it says that a man must examine himself, and it's, we're led to believe that you do this before you take of the bread and of the cup. Then in verse 29, it says, For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. So we go over these three texts, and we say to ourselves that if I'm going to partake of the Lord's Supper, I better make sure that all my sins are forgiven. I want to make sure of that. And then um, I want to... Uh, I want to judge the body rightly, and what is that all about? What does that mean? And so we begin to get a little bit confused here on just what the Bible is saying. But oftentimes, these texts are given, are read, and then you are invited to examine yourself on your recent performance, whether you're right with God or not. And they want you to do this before partaking of the Lord's Supper. And then, if you are living in sin, or if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, then they will encourage you to let this cup pass. In other words, they're saying, don't take communion, because you will be passing judgment and condemnation on yourself. This one sentence... But a man must examine himself is quoted in churches all across the country. We are taught that we must confess our sins and only then are we worthy to take the Lord's Supper. I've got good news for you. This is not what the Bible teaches. Not, any, not in any form. It's been taken completely out of context. This, mess is, this message or these texts that I have just read, it is a response to a specific problem that was going on in Corinth. Now, let's look at what we've done today as Christians. We have gotten all the believers together, and, and a, a lot of fellowships, they'll dim the lights They'll play soft music, and they will encourage you to examine yourself. 
and to take care of any sin that you might have sinned. And it is, they build an atmosphere to, to cause guilt and repentance. And then what they do is they call it the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, I've been to communion services where they will, somebody will confess what they have been doing. There'll be a lot of tears and everything. And they'll say, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Is it? Is it really the power of the Holy Spirit? In the early church, the Lord's Supper was to eat an entire meal together. The problem was that some were coming up, and they came up early, and they drank all the wine and got drunk, and they ate all the food, and then when the, when the poor people came, there was nothing left. And that is the message in Corinth, where we read about the Lord's Supper. People are told to examine themselves, and uh, they need to do this before they partake. The entire purpose of the Lord's Supper is to remind us that we are already forgiven, and we are already cleansed. That's the purpose of the Lord's Supper. It has nothing to do with confessing. It has nothing to do with all of this other stuff. It is to remind us that we are completely forgiven for our sins and that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's no wonder that many Christians are confused. They're led to believe that they must confess their sins one by one before they partake. And if they don't, they will drink condemnation on themselves. What a warped message that is given on the Lord's Supper. What happens when we start believing all of this stuff? We become double-minded in our standing with God. And we don't know really where we're at. The Bible says that we have been given, we have been forgiven forever, forever. When Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he paid the penalty for sin, past, present, and future sins. All sin has been covered. Those sins are forgiven before you can utter a word. And the Bible says that they're not only forgiven, they are forgotten by God. And so what happens is that in the, Corinth, in the Corinthian church there, there was a real problem. They were participating in a communion service that the, the Bible says that it was done in an unworthy manner. So we have mixed the word of God with the traditions of men. The Bible never said that the Corinthians were unworthy. It says that they were partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. This is a big difference. 
It's a huge difference. Because the Bible says that all believers, once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says that you are holy. The Bible says you are sanctified, set aside for holy use. So the Bible declares that you are holy. The Bible says that you are redeemed. And therefore you are worthy to participate in the Lord's Supper. But at Corinth, the way the Christians were celebrating the Lord's Supper was inappropriate or unworthy. In 1 Corinthians 11.21, the Bible says this, For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and the other is drunk. And then it says, For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. So in the context, you just can't take a scripture out of context and make a doctrine from it. So in context, in Corinth, when they had the Lord's Supper, it was a meal. Those who brought the meal, they were the wealthier ones. And so they were coming early, they brought the wine, they brought the supper supper, and then they began to eat before the others came. After all, I mean, it was their food. And so when the poor people came, there was nothing left. And the Bible says that they were celebrating the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. A second misunderstanding in the Corinthian church was that some claimed that God caused sickness and death because of their disobedience in the Lord's Supper. So it says here, For this reason many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Now sleep means death. In other words, a number of you have died. And so this misunderstanding of this scripture, Paul is simply talking about the earthly consequences of overeating and drinking too much wine. That's all it is. God is not killing people because they took the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. But yet, millions of Christians, when they feel that they get sick, or if they hear somebody that's gotten sick, they might think that they did something wrong. And God was disciplining them. God was punishing them. But that is not God. Heathens believe that way. Christians do not. Christians do not believe that because they do something wrong that God is going to cause them to have troubles and difficulties, sickness and even death. The truth is, Paul was simply saying that look at the Corinthian church. Those that were drinking all the wine, they were passing out. Now you heard me before say that I came from the state of Minnesota, up in northern Minnesota, they have a place there for alcoholic priests because they take so much mass and it's easy for them to get involved with alcohol. It's the same way in the Corinthian church. They were drinking too much and they were getting drunk. And, and here Paul says, you do not take communion that way. It is in an unworthy manner. It has nothing to do with sin. 
because sin was taken care of at the cross over 2,000 years ago. Christ shed his blood for the sins of the world, the Bible says. Well, then there is a question about the judgment and about discipline. And in verse 31, the Bible says this. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So it seems to be pretty plain. If we judge ourselves rightly, it's all about the passing of judgment on one another. And in the Corinthian church, it was the result of many, many divisions amongst the believers. In fact, some of the Corinthian churches, they were bragging about who baptized them. I was baptized by a pause. And it was sort of their identifying that they were baptized by a real spiritual man. And Paul says, thank God I didn't baptize any of you. Now, there is a real problem within the church today. Judge yourself rightly, the Bible says, in your own decision making. Listen, Christ lives in you. When you pray and ask God for direction, he's going to give it to you if you're trusting in Christ. Christ lives within the believer. So at your deepest core, you are rock solid with God. It's up here where we get all confused. All this stuff that goes through our minds up here, we get confused about it. And we listen to, Paul says it's the flesh, and we listen to the flesh. And when we listen to the flesh, we make bad decisions. So what does all of this really teach us today? Well, it's so easy for us to take a text out of context and build a doctrine around it. And once we do that, we become very confused. It's all about judging yourself rightly. Here is Paul's solution. Here he is saying, so then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. It's a simple conclusion. Don't eat all the food and let the poor people suffer for it. Wait for them. Wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The, the remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So Paul is very clear on this. So maybe we should take a look at what the Lord's Supper really is. And we can go to 1 Corinthians 11.23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And the Bible says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, he said. Do this 
What God was doing is showing us a physical demonstration of a spiritual truth. Jesus communicated these words to give us a picture so that we can understand what the communion service is all about. And he broke the bread to show that his body would be broken. And then he distributed the bread to his disciples and said the immortal words, take and eat. This is my body. This morning, during the communion, as each person takes a portion of the bread and eats it, it's a reminder. And I want you to think about this as we take communion. It's a reminder of the day that each one of us gave our life to Christ. Some of you were eight or nine or ten years old, and you can't remember that day but you can remember that it took place. You may not know the time or the day or the hour, but you know something happened to you. So you think about when you came to Christ this morning and when you were added to the church. You were added to the body of Christ. Now here in this church, we have many people from different churches, but we are all in the body of Christ. We are all one in the body of Christ. Here at Grace Bible, we use one loaf of bread and we break it and we serve each other. And we will go through that in a little bit, but we will serve each other and as we observe the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that we belong to Christ. The Lord's Supper is a symbol. It's a symbol of us belonging to Christ and we belong to each other. We are all born again Christians and we belong to each other. It doesn't make any difference where we fellowship. That has nothing to do with anything. We are a body of believers. We are one in Christ. The Bible says, And there, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So let's think about this. When we partake of the bread... We partake of Christ. It's a symbol of Christ living in us. He is our hope of glory. When we take of the cup, we're reminded of the covenant that he made to us. That all of our sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future sins. Did you know that next week's sins have already been taken care of? Whether you confess that sin or not, it's all been taken care of. Next month, next year, all been taken care of. Now, I know, and my good friend out here, Jim, he knows that many times in years past, when I was pastoring up in Northern Virginia, people would say, you need to be careful, pastor, because you're giving people a license to sin. When you say that next year's sins are already forgiven, the next year, listen, when Christ died on the cross, he died for the sin of the world. 
of the world. So we who embrace Christ as our Savior, we live in a forgiven state before you can utter anything out of your mouth. And we all feel bad when we sin. It's all been forgiven. And the Bible says that it's all been forgotten. I want you to notice here in Hebrews 10, 17, and 18. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. What a comfort that is. Do you realize that there are millions of Christians who believe that at the end time they have to face the judgment bar of God. And they have to give an account for all their sins. And the Bible says in their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. When we take the cup, the cup representing the blood, it's just a symbol. It represents the blood of Christ. We are reminded this morning that all of our sins have been taken care of. That we live in a state of forgiveness. That's why we rejoice in the Lord's Supper. It's not a time for us to think about all of our sins and, and tell God that we're sorry again and again and again. No, that's not the time. The time is to rejoice that our sins have been all taken care of, that he has cleansed us. When we said yes to Christ, he came in and he cleaned house. He took all of our sins and buried them into the depths of the sea. And then he says that he would remember our sins no more. Jesus encourages the partakers of the Lord's Supper to be in remembrance of him. It's not in remembrance of you. You and your sin and all of this other stuff. No, the Lord's Supper is in remembrance of what he did at the cross. That's why we are set free. We are free in Christ. Because he took care of the one thing that drives us crazy sometimes, and that is the sin issue. You've heard me say, and I'll say it almost every week. At your core, when you said yes to Christ, at your core, you are solid with Christ. The Bible says in 1 John that those who accept Christ will not sin. Every one of us, no, oh, that's not me then, that's not me. If you only knew what I was thinking sometimes, if you only knew what I go through, at your deepest core, you are exactly what Christ says you are. You are holy, you are righteous, you are everything he says that you are. You are a child of the living God. You are a new creation. And Paul says all this stuff up here that passed through your head, all of this has nothing to do with nothing. All of this comes through here. It says, Paul says, it is sin that indwells me. And Jesus says to us, I've got you covered. For when I come back, I'm going to give you a new body. And that new body will not have the propensity, the leaning towards sin. 
And you'll never have that again throughout eternity. You'll never have a propensity. You'll never have these thoughts coming through your head again. Never. The Lord's Supper is a joyful time. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of looking at what Christ said, who we are. We are a child of the living God. He has accepted us just the way we are. He says that he will change us. We can't change ourselves. Some of us have tried, and we just haven't accomplished anything. We just can't change ourselves. But Christ can change us from within. How does he do that? How does he change us from within? Well, the Bible calls it the renewing of the mind. It says that he will renew our mind. How does he renew our mind? Well, one of the ways he does it is through the communion service, the Lord's Supper. Because he's reminding us that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, all of our sins are forgiven. He reminds us that we live in a forgiven state. He reminds us that we are his child. He reminds us as we partake of the bread and of the wine, he reminds us that we are one in him. He is in us. We are in him. It's a beautiful and wonderful message. What a great joy there is in knowing that we walk by faith in the truth that we are in him and he is in us. And when we take a portion of that bread, we are reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ and his life. And we share, now remind, I need to remind you, we share in a symbolized unification in love. And we are connected to one body out of many. We will take one loaf of bread this morning. And we will break it. And we will serve each other. And we will be reminded we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Every single one of us here, whether we know each other or not, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Every time I take communion, I'm reminded that I belong to a family. A family of believers who have already been forgiven. They've already been cleansed. They are part of the body of Christ. And we're all waiting for him to return. Now, I've confessed many times that I've been an apocalyptic Christian and still am. I've waited for 50 years or more now for Christ to return. He hasn't returned. And I've come to the conclusion, whether he returns in my lifetime or not, I'm going to wait for him every day to return. If he returns today, it'll be a wonderful, wonderful joy. It'll be a great day. If, we, if, if he doesn't return in my time, then I'll not know it when he does. But I know one thing, that the Bible says that when he comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air. That's a glorious event that's going to take place. Until that time, we have the privilege of being a family, a family in Christ.
brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, the Bible says that if we rightly, if we rightly judge our decision-making, then we won't judge anybody else. You know, that's a beautiful thing to be part of a family that you don't judge each other. You don't try to read their motives. You don't try to do anything else, but you're called to love one another just as Christ has loved us. <clears throat> the Bible says, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In Matthew 26, 27, 28, And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. What is the new covenant? The new covenant is that your sins are forgiven. They are buried into the depths of the sea. They'll <clears throat> never be brought up again you will never face the judgment bar of God. The judgment is only for the wicked. It is not for the righteous. The Lord's expression in the Lord's Supper is nothing but his love. His love for you has been poured out on the cross. That's how much he loves you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this symbol, the blood of Jesus Christ that has redeemed us, that has saved us, and that has forgiven us. We are grateful that we live in a state of forgiveness. We're grateful that the sin issue is over. We're thankful that no one will be lost because of sin, but only unbelief. And here we are, a group of believers, who believe in you, Lord, and we thank you and we praise you for everything that you have done, everything that you will do. We just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Bless us now, I pray, as we take of the cup. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.